It's time for the Savvy Realtor Podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole, the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty, serving you throughout the triangle, teaching you about the ins and outs when it comes to buying or selling a home. You can find the team online by going to acolerealty.com. That's A-C-O-L-E, realty.com, or by calling 919-578-3128. That's 919-578-3128. And now it's time for one of the top Realtors in the triangle, Angie Cole and the Savvy Realtor Podcast. Hey there, this is Walter Storholt, the co-host of Angie Cole's A. Cole Realty Savvy Realtor Radio Show. To wrap up 2020, we have a special edition of the podcast where we are counting down our top five most downloaded and most popular episodes of this crazy year that was 2020. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we give you some great buying and selling advice when it comes to real estate in the triangle and beyond. Okay, here's number five on the list of the top podcasts of 2020 for the Savvy Realtor Show. All right, I've got another listener question here. This one comes to us from Matt in Fayetteville. And Matt says, we've had two buyers back out in a row on buying our home. It's really frustrating. I feel like the agent we're working with isn't doing enough to head off these different problems. What does your team do for your sellers to make sure you're accepting offers from good buyers? Uh, Matt, first of all, that's super unfortunate. You know what? But I, I can't say and being real with you, I can't say that that doesn't happen no matter whom the agent is that is representing you. You know, it's unfortunate. I had a client who this past week, they closed on their home and it was their third buyer. And there was absolutely nothing that our team could have done differently. You know, throughout the process, we randomly had one buyer that just went MIA and their agent went MIA. We had the second buyer who the week of closing, their buyer backed out on them. And so then they had a back out on us. And then I guess, third time was really the charm and we got it closed. But if it's consistent that this is happening all the time with the agent that you're working with, well, then there's an issue, right? But sometimes, and uh, you know, things are just completely out of our control as being your listing agent and representing you. But things that we can do up front. First of all, whenever we receive an offer, we always make sure there is a prequal or a proof of funds. We can always dig deeper. We can, you know, even reach out to the lender and just get the extra warm and fuzzy that these people are good to go. We can make sure that we have a good amount of due diligence money at front. Make sure that the buyer is putting a decent amount of money at risk. You know, there's just a couple of different things that we could always tweak and revise with the offer or with our counter to kind of make sure that the buyer's really serious. Um, you know, on the other hand, though, I, I have another seller who we had multiple offers and their buyer backed out. It was such a sad situation. Um, it, it was the, the buyer was going through some things, personal things with her father. So she had to back out. Everyone understood. But, you know, on the flip side, they had given so much good faith that actually, although we lost a buyer and we had to relist the home, which we got it back under contract again, my seller actually is coming out ahead. Um, even though she was still paying mortgage payments, she actually was able to recoup so much in due diligence and earnest money that actually, in the end, she's going to make more money net than if she would have actually closed with the first buyer. So, you know, it's not always... The worst situation, you know, we definitely want the first contract to always go through, um, but every contract is differently. So, you know, we definitely do things to vet the buyer for our sellers up front. But you know what? Some things are just completely out of our control as well. Yeah, it's a really good question, I think, to ask Matt. And uh, it can be tough. Frustrating is probably a pretty good word for that. But patience is the name of the game. And working with a real estate agent who's helping you navigate through those problems or helping you avoid them in the first place is always great. So if you feel like you're not getting fantastic service with your agent, or if you're looking for an agent to work with here in the area, you can always talk to Angie and the team. Again, that number to call to get in touch or text her if you want, 919-538-6477. If you want to talk about buying or selling your next home, 919-538-6477. Matt, sorry you're going through that. Got a question here from Shelly over in Smithfield. Shelly says, we're selling soon. What is a good timeline to expect from listing to closing? Yeah. So listing as far as getting your home actually active and on the market is completely on you. Okay. Um, Our team, if you are ready to go, we can actually list your home and go live and on the market within, I would say, give us a week. 
week max. Um, what that means is we would love to have our professional stager come through. We definitely want to get our professional photographer in there. And so that's a must before we then go active and on the market. So within a week, we can be live. But I know oftentimes it takes the seller longer to prepare their home. But once we are then active and on the market, then it's, okay, what does your particular neighborhood and area look like as far as how quick uh, homes are selling as far as days on the market? So best case scenario, say your home went under contract the very first day it was on the market. Then if you are under contract with a buyer who's obtaining financing, I would expect approximately 30 days, okay? So if you are rush, 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 we'd have your home on the market in a week. There's seven days. You get an offer the very first day. We then have a 30 days for closing for a loan. We're looking at 37 to 40 days until closing. Now, all of that can change once again because up front, I'm depending or determining our active date based on you as far as you getting your home ready to go. Um, and then what if also we go under contract and we get a cash offer immediately? Cash offers, we can get those closed in seven to 10 days. Also, not every home sells the first day, right? Let's be realistic. So it really is determined as far as the average days on the market for your area, for your price point, that can really dictate. So I would say very, very, very quickest it could ever be, probably be 14 days because we have a cash buyer. We go under contract day one and you have your home ready to go uh, within a week of us going active. Great question, Shelly. Really appreciate you sending that one in to us. And if you are thinking about selling your home in the near future, Angie, I know you've got that great tool that helps people find out how much their home is worth. Tell us how that works again. Yeah, most definitely. So um, super cool tool that you can use from your smartphone. And so most people, they just want to get an idea of what their home is worth, because if they don't get what they need or want for their home, they're not interested in selling, right? So if you are thinking about selling your home and you want to get an idea of what your home is worth in today's market, you can just text the word listing to the phone number 555 888. And then we will send you a text. Make sure that you click the link and input your address. We definitely need your address in order to give you an idea of what your home is worth. So once again, thinking about selling and you want to get an idea of what your home is worth in today's market, just text the word listing to the phone number 555-888. Again, all you have to do is send a simple text. Text the word listing to the number 555-888. Again, text the word listing to the number 555-888. And you can find out that potential home value right now. Uh, we've got one more question here from Elsa. Elsa is in Raleigh and says, how can I create a bidding war for my home in order to get the highest sales price? Elsa, this can be really tough. So first of all, it depends on your price point in your location of your current home. You know, some homes just, you're not going to expect a bidding war, right? As we get higher price point, our pool of buyers will lessen. And so the likelihood of getting a multiple offer situation, of course, will decrease as well. So if you're hoping, though, to get a bidding war, it's all about, you know, how does a home look, right? Um, as far as curb appeal, when someone's walking in the door, making sure that the home shows well, it's stable properly to give that wow effect. But then the biggest and most important thing is to make sure that we are priced correctly. So it's all about pricing. We want to make sure, of course, we do not undervalue your home. But the biggest thing is we never want to overprice it. Overpricing a home in the long run can actually make you net less versus actually pricing your home correctly in the beginning. So we want to price your home properly, what's in line with the market with recent comparables. And of course, our team can share those with you. Because if you price a home right, you then have better luck of driving the most amount of traffic and getting more than one offer and then creating that bidding war. That was number five on our countdown. Here is the fourth most popular podcast of 2020. Our first question uh, from a listener of the week, and she comes to us from Avery in Raleigh. Avery says, can you give me an example of someone who it made sense for them to list their home the traditional way versus someone who it made sense for them to use the instant offer style of selling a home? We're just trying to see what might be the best option for us. Yeah, Avery, that's a great question. You know, so the positive about the traditional way is you're going to net more. So that means more money in your pocket, which I know everyone prefers. So as long as you are okay with allowing showings, 
You know, you're you're okay with taking our advice on staging, allowing a photographer to come through, allowing showings. We will get you top dollar. So, you know, some people prefer the instant offer option, you know, over the, uh, you know, the traditional sale because of the convenience and, you know, not worrying about being bothered. But it is proven that you will net more money if you allow the traditional route. And just to give you an update with everything happening with the coronavirus, all of those third-party iBuyers have completely stopped. So mm. the Zillows, the Open Doors, you know, all of those companies, they have stopped purchasing uh, for mm. the time being. So, you know, iBuyers on that end don't even exist right now. Um, but no matter what, you know, we want what's most convenient for you. But we always highly suggest you at least listen to us and allow us to talk about the traditional sale route. Because a lot of times it's, I think it's the idea of selling that freaks people out. Um, for example, One of our clients, Melissa and Clayton, when we first initially started speaking with her, she immediately said, no, 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 just want to cash off or want to be done with this. You know, I know there's too much work to be done to my home with there being dogs in my home. But then once we went out there, we were like, wait a minute, Melissa, your home's adorable. All we suggest is we just repaint and that's it. Like, and she just thought she would have to dump so much money into her home to get it show ready, but that wasn't the case. So allow us to come into your home, do a consultation with you and give you feedback on what truly needs to be done. You know, allow us to explain our marketing to you and just the process in general um, and also compare numbers for you, show you what it looks like from a net standpoint with doing a traditional sale. It's just interesting that um, you know the those i buyers come in came into the community kind of swept through like a like a storm and then they just like oops okay now that's no longer an option oh, yeah. for you and just kind of pull out of the market like that so so quickly yep yep uh, wow okay so that's they might eventually co- yeah they might you know come eventually back, come back but, but as of right now they all stopped interesting mm-hmm. so yeah. I know that you you know had recently launched your own you know uh, instant offer type yeah, situation yeah. for folks is are you still providing that service the, the yeah, triangle rocket listing. You know, of course, we're being um, we're being cautious on, you know, what homes we will and will not buy. But, you know, that's definitely still open for conversation. And so we definitely still had those two options of a traditional sale or the instant offer. So uh, no matter what you're thinking might be the best route for you, we would love to still have that conversation. Okay, very cool. Hopefully that helps you out there, Avery. If you want to get more information about that, you can go to trianglerocketlisting.com and you can put in your home's information there on the website and uh, talk to Angie's team then about getting that offer on your home or going the traditional route as well. The nice thing about working with Angie's team is they can certainly talk to you about either option to see what is a fit for you. So your question is right up that alley, Avery. Again, go to trianglerocketlisting.com if you want to put in your home's information and start the process on getting that instant offer as well as uh, talking about the traditional route as well. All right, we got a question here from Alyssa. Alyssa says, this might sound crazy, Angie, in the middle of the coronavirus situation, but my husband and I must now both work from home, and it's not going to (laughs) work. We need to move (laughs) right away and are in desperate need of a legitimate office space. How fast can we pull this off? Are movers still helping people get moved quickly and efficiently? And lastly, how easily can we search for homes that include a designated office space or even better, a detached room for such purposes? Sure. You know, and it's it's not crazy, first of all. You know, uh, we still have many buyers coming to us and needing to move for whatever reason it might be, you know, and sellers who need to list their homes. So um, I completely get it. And I understand the hiccups you're running to with you both working from home because I currently am working in my kitchen. And that is not ideal. While I can just hear my husband right around the corner in his office and is about to drive me insane. So I get it. But, you know, we definitely can help you with buying a home. Um, I would love to chat with you about you know your criteria where you're looking is really important just because certain areas have been on lockdown so we're limited to actual physical showings but there's still definitely virtual showings you know we can show you pictures we can have the sellers do video walkthroughs you know there's ways to go about still buying a home as far as timeline goes though um, again it's on county per county basis you know if 
the county allows e-recording and they are set up and designed to do that. We can still close your home if a county is on lockdown and e-recording is not in place for that county, we will be at a standstill. So uh, based on the area that you're considering, we can give you some guidance there um, because it's not one way fits all. It's really county specific. Um, but the norm for a contract to close if, is 30 days if you're obtaining financing, uh, which lenders are still working, you know, appraisers are still out there. So I just feel like we really need to actually have a phone combo to help better understand your situation and how we can advise and assist you. Yeah, it's a really good question, Alyssa. And I think that it's one of these kinds of things that just uh, we got to stay nimble and on our toes and adjust to the things that are happening all around us. And, you know, with you being in Durham, they're kind of the first local area to go under a more strict lockdown, essentially, or a shelter in place type order. So, you know, your experience may be a little bit different than somebody who's in a Cary or a Fayetteville or some other community. Um, yep. So, and that's Angie's job. That's her team's job to then help you navigate those various waters that you're going to be in, depending on your situation. But absolutely, you can still get the ball rolling and start making things happen. If you want to get the process started on selling your home, you can do one of two things. One way is to get directly in touch with Angie by calling or texting the number 919-538-6477. That's 919-538-6477. Or you can text the word listing to the number 555-888 and click on the link that we text back to you and put in your home's information to get the process started as well. Just text the word listing to the number 555-888 Put in your home's info, you'll get an instant estimate on your home's potential value, but you'll also get the opportunity to then be in touch with Angie and the team to talk a little bit more in depth about what you're looking to do. All you have to do is text the word LISTING to the number 555-888. Our next question on the show, by the way, if you want to submit a question, go to acolerealty.com. comes to us from Britt, and Britt is in Wake Forest and says, My wife and I are having an argument, Angie. I want to buy a house that's going to serve us best in four to five years, when theoretically we've had a child or two and maybe have added a dog to the family and all that jazz. But she doesn't see why two people need to move into a home now that has so much space. She wants to buy something small and then upgrade later on when we need it. What do you see work out best for folks on a similar trajectory as us? Oh, this sounds like a personal problem in between, <laughs> in between husband and wife. You know, if theoretically you guys are thinking four to five years best and then you're ready to grow your family, you know, it actually might be smart to go ahead and get the larger home. And I'm only stating that because you have to be cautious of not living in a home for enough time and then it doesn't appreciate. But, you know, that's, I'm not going to side with either party. Um, that's up to you guys to really determine, you know, what is best for you guys. So what I would suggest is really writing out the pros and the cons of each situation. You know, maybe you decide that you want to go with a smaller home to save money. You know, maybe your mortgage payment will be way less going with a smaller home, a less expensive home versus the larger, probably more expensive home. Um, so really just weigh your options there. But the only thing I would caution you on is buying and then selling too quick because I just would want to make sure that the home has appreciated um, because it does cost to sell, right? So I would want to make sure that the home's appreciated in order for you to then move up into another home. Yeah, that's a great point. And the big difference too, if you're talking about starting the process of building that family in four to five years or by year four or five, you're already going to have the dog and the two kids and that kind of thing too. So because essentially you're probably starting now. Right, <laughs> so, right, yeah. Yep. That, that might influence the decision too. But if you're four or five years away from even beginning the process of kind of establishing that family. It really just depends. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. tough for me to answer. You're right in that zone of, of where it's not really kind of, Angie, you don't have to look at it as a negative. It's a win-win either way, kind of. Like yeah. You're, you're far enough out to where you could buy a smaller home and then upgrade later and probably yep. not be a huge deal. But you're also close enough to where it's not like you're moving in too soon before you've got the family in place. So it's not like, you know, if you were on a 10-year time horizon or something like that, then it might be a different answer. But 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think it's way a win-win. It. Either, either way, yeah. What's best yeah. for you and your family? But yeah. we can definitely talk through it. That's right. It's a great question to ask. It just sounds like it's something you guys need to work out yourselves a little bit more. There, yeah. keep keep right. talking about it because I think the answer is going to be different depending on you know who you talk to. There's there's there is a similar trajectory, but the answer is going to be different based on how those conversations go with other couples. So it's uh, it, it, you've seen it work in both directions, right, Angie? Um, I, I really have. I mean, it, and I feel like, Britt, you and your wife are not the only ones that are dealing with this little bit of, you know, dispute. <laughs> I would say yeah. a marital dispute and not being on the same page. We hear it all the time. You know, we also hear, well, one wants a master on the first floor. The other one wants, one wants it on the second floor because they plan to have kids and they want to be closer to the kids. So, it, it you know, we, we all have in our minds what's the best design, the best mm-hmm. options, you know, when it comes to buying a home. And it's just, you know, really, like I said, writing it out, the pros and cons and getting on the same page. Yeah, we kind of went through something similar here, Britt. I mean, I guess we bought our first home expecting to only be in there for probably three to four years. And we ended up staying ex- exactly six years. And now we've moved into the home that we're going to be ready to build a family in, but we still don't have we have the dog part of it, but don't have the kid part of it yet. But we moved into this home on a you know two to three year trajectory of of you know starting to have kids and being on that trajectory. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, so kind of similar to you in that situation. So that's what we did. We sort of did that the the temporary smaller house for about five years or so. Yeah, yeah, and then moved into the bigger one. So maybe yeah. that'll work. And you guys, for you guys got lucky with appreciation, huh? We did. I mean, the timing worked out great for us, where we yeah. moved into that first home at the very bottom, you know, pretty pretty much bottom of home prices and. What like 2012? I guess it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that definitely helped, and in, in our neighborhood in Durham, where we were, it definitely had good appreciation over that time. So, yeah, just uh, just be smart about it, but be a very clear communicator with your spouse about it as well. One more question here. This one comes to us from Tabitha. Oh, by the way, Britt, might be a great idea. And anybody else who's thinking about buying a home, because it sounds like maybe you're a first-time home buyer, Britt, um, it would be a great idea to get the home buying process guide that Angie has put together for radio listeners. You can text the word contract to the number 555-888. We'll automatically text you back with a link to download that guide. Uh, it's that easy. All you have to do is text the word contract to the number 555-888, and that guide walks you through all the steps that you need to know when it comes to buying a home, the important terminology that's out there that you need to know to buy a home, and just the entire process and what's detailed in that. So it's just a good reminder and kind of a good little guide to get you started there in the buying process, since you guys might be pretty close to that. Uh, Just text the word contract to the number 555-888. All right, one more question for the week, Angie. uh, Angie, Tabitha will take us out, Tabitha's and Carrie, and says, I hear financial advisors talk a lot about the difficulty of timing the stock market. But what about real estate? I'm thinking of letting this whole coronavirus thing filter through, bring home prices way down, and then buy low after prices have crashed in a few months. Is that a bad idea? I mean, I think it's a great idea, but, you know, none of us can foresee the future. Uh, But I really do not foresee this being like a 2007, 2008 crash. Um, You know, we and the reason being, first of all, we have such low inventory in our market. And if anything, all of this coronavirus is going to make Mm -hmm. the levels of inventory even lower. (laughs) <laughs> and, and the lies of su- laws of supply and demand start to apply. Exactly. And, you know, so, you know, I, I do not foresee that the prices will start to go down. I could be wrong here, but I haven't seen it yet. And I do not foresee it happening anytime soon. And I don't know what it would take, I guess, in the economy and just, you know, in the country across the board for that shift to happen. But I just don't see how in the triangle market with us being at an all-time low of inventory and it will continue to drop, how the prices will drop. You know, because there are still buyers out there in this market that are anxious to buy a home, excited to buy a home. And, you know, inventory will be bought up, bought up. And we are still seeing multiple offers. And so that's driving prices up. So, you know, I see your mindset there, Tabitha, uh, with buying low, super smart. Hopefully, I mean, I don't want it to happen for our economy in general, right? I don't want there to be a crash uh, with the real estate market and numbers and values there. But I just don't think that that's happening. Yeah. Well, the in the 2007-2008 crisis was specifically kind of a, you know, real estate mortgage problem. 
and this is not really solely on the back of the mortgage and real estate industry this time around with this particular issue. Um, certainly may get caught up and swept up in some of the craziness, but it's not the crux of the problem like it was back in 2007, 2008. So, you know, that that level of crash was certainly a little bit more of a rare situation there, Tabitha. So, yeah, I think just like the financial side, you're playing a bit of a dangerous game by trying to time the market. It's, it's a market just like the stock market. So <laughs> you have to be careful there. Um, you may not be in that position to uh, benefit from lower home prices a couple of months from now. It's just all going to kind of depend, and it's hard to predict which direction things will go in. So it's a good question and uh, something to think about. Um, Certainly, if prices do go down, you'll be able to take advantage of that, it sounds like. Um, But if not, you know, be prepared for that result as well. So good question. Uh, Any final thoughts on the show today? Angie, I know it's been kind of a weird couple of weeks for you adjusting and shifting to everything, but we're going to be here every weekend on the radio and we got the podcast. Uh, Look up for the Savvy Realtor podcast if you want to stay in touch with the real estate market locally from week to week as we kind of walk through all these different things. You know, I I just want to send out a message to everyone. We actually um, have a a message that was sent out to our whole database, which, I mean, goodness, we have over 25,000 plus contacts in there. But we are, of course, a real estate team um, and real estate professionals. But we just want to let, you know, our whole database, everyone who's listening, let you guys know that we're here to help. Um, And I mentioned in that video, you know, a lot of us, uh, or most of us, our kids are home from school. So doing either virtual learning, or that means homeschooling for the parents. And, you know, maybe your kid needs assistance. Maybe it's something that you're not savvy with, you know, algebra or whatever it might be. And you need some help. You know, we have so many contacts out there that reach out to us. If, If you need assistance, we can probably match you with someone who can help you out during this time of need. You know, maybe you are really, really quarantined to your home so far that you can't even go get your prescriptions from the drugstore or you can't go get, you know, essentials that you need. You know, myself or our team, you know, we will assist you. We can help and go get those items for you and deliver them to your front step. So let us know how we can be of help. We want to help our community. You know, we're not just, again, here for buying and selling homes. You know, we want to be of service to you guys. That was the number four podcast of the year. Now get ready for number three, the third most popular podcast of 2020. Well, let's talk about home selling uh, to start off today's show, Angie, and look at some of the, uh, I found a few different articles and they all kind of had various elements on the lists that were out there. You know, the five reasons your home doesn't sell, the 10 reasons your home doesn't sell. There was some overlap between some of the articles. Some had a different idea than others. So I kind of wrote down my top, uh, let's see how many I got, seven here. I've got seven that I pulled from all these different articles that I wanted to throw your direction. And, uh, you know, what causes these homes to linger on a market, that home that's been out there for 60, 70, 80, 90 days, maybe longer perhaps uh, on the market, and then how you help your clients kind of avoid these kinds of problems. And and are they problems to begin with too? Feel free to push back on some of these things as always. First one that I found was was pretty commonly listed was um, that your property might be too unique for the neighborhood or location. So it might be mm-hmm. a cool house, might be a cool home, but doesn't really fit in with the rest of the neighborhood. And that can cause sometimes a stalling in the sales process. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I have seen um, those type of situations where, you know, maybe we have a buyer client interested in a home or we've personally listed some homes that they were just a very unique style and floor plan. Unique is nice and fun, but it might not work for everyone. And so a unique floor plan, especially in a neighborhood where everything's maybe a little bit more traditional, can take a little bit longer to sell. Now, it only takes one buyer to love the home and to make an offer, but the pool of buyers will be lessened just whenever you have a unique property um, that isn't just, you know, as traditional or customary. Well, I think that's a great, great point. Um, is it usually just like too, too big of a home? I mean, can that even just be part that, of the too unique, you know, the biggest home in yeah. the neighborhood kind of thing? I mean, you know, I've seen unique layouts where just the layout is real funny. For example, um, I've seen where there's a master bedroom on the first floor and the master bath is actually shared with guests. So there's not a private powder room. Okay, so that is kind of unique. Right. But yeah, there can be a home, you know, if you're the nicest, most expensive, largest home in a neighborhood, that can be tougher for you to sell too. you know, it's, it's always tough when you are the biggest home in the neighborhood. Typically, you don't quite get that value back out of the home. So yeah, that can hurt you and slow things down as well. 
you know, you talk about kind of unique, unique layouts. Um, when we were looking for our last home, there was one home that otherwise was a pretty normal home, but it was a little odd. The master bedroom was like in the middle of the living room, like the entry to the master bedroom was in the middle of the living room. Interesting. So to like get out of the master bedroom, you literally come through the middle of the living room. Yeah. Like so I mean that right there would be odd. a little, yeah, little odd, little unique. It might not work for everyone, right? Yeah. So that would slow down the selling process. Okay. Great point. So, and I'm sure we could continue to cherry pick all sorts of different uniqueness of a home, but you know, those little things can cause problems because it just limits that pool of buyers as Angie's kind of alluding to there. Number two reason for why your home might not sell um, or might sit on the market for a while would be bad staging. I'm sure this is something you see yeah. all the time, Angie. Oh, yeah, all the time. Not with our listings, though. <laughs> we we always get our professional stager in there, or if it's a vacant home, we have it virtually staged, or we do like, it's called like a light fluff or a sprinkle. You know, staging is super important because you have to remember when buyers are looking for a home, they're typically online zipping through the pictures of those potential listings. And if the pictures are not eye-catching, they're moving on to the next home. So, you know, it, it's sad when I see a home that's being marketed and the pictures are just horrific. It's not staged well. The pictures are dark. It's cluttered. You know, they didn't depersonalize. They didn't declutter. And that will really, really hurt you. And your days on the market will be higher. You'll end up netting less. Um, so taking the time to stage the home is very, very important. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, we've talked about staging all the time here on the show. And each week we have the staging moment uh, where we give you tips and advice on some popular staging questions as well. So we'll have some more talk about staging coming up on uh, on the show later on. Another option or uh, another element of why your home might sit on the market for too long might be that it has some ugly curb appeal. This kind of goes hand in hand with the bad staging, but just on the outside. Yeah, for sure. You know, first impression is everything, right? And so if someone's, they could see a big for sale sign in your yard, but when they drive by, you know, the, the landscaping's overgrown, the home just looks kind of deteriorated, it doesn't look like it was cared for, you know, more than likely they won't be interested in viewing more pictures. You know, you've already lost them at at hello, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> you know, it could be a fabulous home on the inside, but you know, the outside needs to look just as well as the inside. So yes, curb appeal definitely needs to be up to par, you know, and that's something so simple to do, you know, just add a little bit of pine straw, a little bit of mulch, you know, add some fresh flowers, make sure your bushes are trimmed, the grass is well kept. Little things like that can really go a long way. We called it the Pepto-Bismol house in our old neighborhood. That was the, the house that didn't have very oh, good curb appeal. The Pepto-Bismol yeah, house. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it sounds like the color might have been a deal breaker there. It wasn't there, just so. the color, though. It, but okay, that, that, it was that, a lot to go along with the Pepto-Bismol house. That was the descriptor, yes, but the uh, there was a lot that went on at the Pepto-Bismol house, that's for sure. So <laughs> watch yeah, out for that yeah. ugly curb appeal. I think it sat on the market for quite some time. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a big one. You know, People don't want to be scared while up to the home to visit it so <laughs> make it more inviting don't scare folks off right off the bat something else uh, another reason why your home might not sell subpar listing photos another thing that angie doesn't happen with your listings of course but you've seen it definitely many times before with other homes that have been listed where you're like i'm sure it goes through your mind well why they pick those photos or you know why, why didn't they have somebody come and take really good photos of the home it just makes such a huge difference yeah yeah no it does i mean we kind of already chatted a little bit about staging and just you know how those photos look but you know you could stage the home just wonderfully i mean it mm -hmm. could have fresh paint it could look just superior and if i'm the one the taking the pictures right <laughs> right you have someone come in and they take a picture with their iphone or you know i have a nice camera but you know what i do not know how to operate that thing i am not a professional photographer so i'm not going to pretend like that i am you know i need to stay in my lane and just be the real estate professional so you know having professional photos that have been edited you know that just really just glow and just you know grab your attention I mean that is huge because that is getting you the traffic into your home okay the pictures are number one internet presence is number one so we must have superior pictures so yeah having subpar listing photos is definitely going to hurt you and going to slow uh you know your home sale just in general 
Angie, that's definitely a good one and something that's so simple to fix. And I think that's sort of the common thread already through some of these. You know, you might not be able to fix the uniqueness of your home all that easy, but staging, curb appeal, and listing photos, those are all pretty easy fixes. You just need to be paying attention to those details. Now, this next one, maybe not that easy of a fix to do personally. You need a good team helping you with this part. But another reason why your home might not be selling, your agent may not have a great marketing plan. Yeah, I mean, marketing is number one too, right? And marketing, it, it, it um, I guess, encompasses a lot of different things. You know, the biggest thing is how is your agent getting your property out there? How are they getting the most exposure? For example, we have this radio show and we always feature, you know, three of our fabulous listings. You know, what is your agent doing beyond just throwing it in MLS? Are they doing anything else? You know, are they doing flyers, text writers? You know, what type of social media advertising are they doing? Do they have radio show? You know, there's just so many different aspects of marketing a home and the most marketing you know, we'll get the most traffic, you'll then get offers quicker, and you'll get a higher price point. You know, that's why for sale by owners, on average, they don't net as much as listing with an agent or and they also don't sell as quick because they just don't have all of those different avenues uh, when it comes to marketing a home effectively. Yeah, it's so, so overlooked sometimes. It's sort of like a, if you list it, they will come kind of idea, right? Like yeah. the old, uh, if right. you build it, they will come. Right, um, right. I mean, there, there's a reason why we are in this business and you need our assistance is because of the extra exposure and we're able to actually save you money and put more money in your pocket. Yeah, it's a great point, Angie. Uh, another item for why your home might not be selling, might be sitting on the market, if you're not flexible when it comes to home showings, and I know we've had to be sensitive yeah. over the last couple of months regarding that, Angie, with the coronavirus and that kind of thing, but it, it, in reality, it can be a problem. Yeah, I mean, guys, if you are going to sell your home, you need to remember that, you know what, showings can be requested at any time of the day. It is inconvenient. I've never had a seller to tell me they love showing their home, right? I always joke about that. I say, you know what, selling your home is not fun. You know, who who enjoys random people coming into your home, <laughs> having to always, you know, keep your bed made, kids' toys are picked up, you know, leaving for an hour at random times, you know, showing is not fun. But, you know, if you want to get your home sold, that's the headache that comes along with it. And I, you know, I've represented sellers personally that will decline every other appointment. And I'm like, guys, and they say, well, if they really, you know, are interested, they'll come back. That's not true. Because right. remember, they could have a day lined up where they're viewing 10 homes. So they go, they have now missed your home because you declined the appointment. They go on to the next nine and they find another home that they love. You know, just because they didn't get into your home, they're not going to wait around to go back to your home. So, you know, being flexible with those showings is super important. And, you know, that's a conversation I have with my clients that, you know, this is a win-win. You know, I'm representing you. I'm going to do the marketing. I'm going to, you know, put my best foot forward when it comes to showing your home and getting you the most exposure. But you know what? I need your buy-in on this as well. I need you to keep your home neat and tidy. I need you to take our advice. I need you to put those things into place. And I need you to really allow showings. You know, I need your help to get the your home, you know, sold and shown, or, you know, it's, it's going to be a lose, lose for both of us. Yeah. I mean, just as common sense for sure. If you want people to buy your home, you got to let them inside to come look at it and, uh, can't, uh, can't stray too far from that one. Uh, unless you've just got some really overarching problems, or if you're going to be restrictive, you just have to go into it, understanding the consequences yeah. of those actions. Yeah. yeah, true, true. All right. Last but not least, Angie, I know you've been chomping at the bit to tackle this one because it's probably your biggest sticking point. Why isn't your home selling? it's probably not priced correctly. That could be one of the main yeah. reasons. Yeah. You know, all of those other items that you mentioned, you know, they, maybe there is ugly curb appeal. Well, if there is, we need to take that into account when pricing. You know, maybe you have a very unique uh, floor plan. We need to take that into account with pricing. So it all boils down to price point. You know, if a home is priced right, it will get sold. I was actually at a listing appointment this week and one of the comparables sold so low for the neighborhood. I mean, it was ridiculous. And the days on the market was, I think it was like 198 days where in that location, it was inner belt line, home sell in a week. Okay. So I looked at the history and they originally started at 665, which looking at the rest of the comparables was completely overpriced for the hmm. condition. The last list price was 550 and they sold for 500. Okay. So that goes to show you if you're overpriced, 
you know, you are going to be chasing the market, your home's going to sit there and you will net less than what you should have, you know, made in the first place. Because actually, based on their square footage, their condition, all of that good stuff, that home was actually worth more than 500, you know, but that's what happens when you price a home wrong from the beginning, okay, it hurts you. So yeah, make sure you price that home right, take the advice of your agent, they should have, you know, information to share with you comparables, you know, they should give you a reason as to why they're giving you the guidance on pricing um, a home, you know, at a certain price bracket, but make sure that you price a home correctly. And so, I mean, I I know we're talking all about selling a home, right? And there's so many things that go into selling a home, selling it right to get you top dollar. So when it comes to selling a home, I know we were just talking about pricing. You know, most people, most sellers are interested in what their home is worth. So if you are considering selling your home and you want to get an idea of what your home is worth in today's market, you can text the word LISTING to the phone number 555-888. And from there, we will send you back a text. Make sure that you click that link in the text that we sent you and input your address because, of course, we need your address. So if you're thinking about selling your home and you want to get an idea of what your home is worth in today's market, just text the word LISTING to the phone number 555-888. A good recap of the third most popular podcast in 2020. Now it's time to see what was the runner-up this year, the second most downloaded Savvy Realtor podcast. Let's kick things off with some more questions from folks around the area, Angie, and we're going to start off with one from Amber in Raleigh. Amber says, I feel like there are zero houses that fit our family's needs that are currently on the market. What's going on? Is this going to last forever? When I've lowered my budget, I just can't seem to find anything that works for us, and I'm kind of depressed we'll be renting forever. Oh, well, uh, first of all, Amber, I'm sorry. And I know that you're not the only one who might be feeling this way. Um, I I think it's maybe just kind of being a little bit more open to your must-haves and your wants. Um, You know, it it is a little bit more difficult, you know, for the average buyer just because housing and the prices are moving up. Um, But, you know, remember, I think a lot of people go into buying a home that this is a forever home. And we need to remember that the average person stays in a home for five to seven years. And so although you might be going into it thinking about long-term, long-term forever, you know, I think just being a little bit more realistic and thinking about now, you know, what kind of home suits your family now and maybe five to seven years from now might make you or help you to change those wants and needs a little bit. And then from there, I bet you there's going to be some amazing homes that pop up in your search. Um, You know, if anything, and not to be a, a Debbie Downer, but, you know, the housing market that we're in, the the values and the cost of homes are only on the rise. So if you're not finding anything right now, I, I don't foresee that you're going to magically fall upon, you know, 10 homes that just fit your needs perfectly. So it sounds like maybe just tweaking that a little bit and really writing down, jotting down what's most important to you and your family uh, right now might help and really to open up those options. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, an unfortunate situation to feel like you're in, Amber, but not all hope is lost. Sometimes you just need a little bit of extra guidance, a little bit of a new perspective might help point you in the right direction as well. So it's a great question. You're not alone in having that feeling and having that line of thinking, but uh, there's you know a little bit of patience, a little bit of time, a little bit of a new angle can certainly open things up for you as well. So good question. Uh, got another one here from Barb as we hop over to Chapel Hill. Uh, Barb says, we're just starting to dip our toe in the housing search waters and stopped in on a few open houses last weekend. In one house, we noticed a moldy moisture-type smell. In another home, we had a lot of trouble getting any of the windows to open. Seems like every house has little red flags. How do you tell which ones are serious and which ones aren't before you put in an offer? Barb, that's a great question. And, um, you know, that would be concerns of mine as well, especially mold. Mold's not something you play around with. But, you know, that's really where your real estate professional should be stepping in and giving you that guidance. Um, you know, because remember when it comes to buying a home, it is understood per the North Carolina real estate contract that you are buying the home as is. It is a buyer beware state. So it is best that we bring those things to the attention of the seller, make them part of an offer, make sure that those items are taken care of either before making an offer or as part of the agreement. 
just because the last thing that we would want is for you to go under contract, start investing money um, into purchasing this home only to have all these red flags really come to light. And so by having a real estate professional who is savvy, who has been to several, several home sales inspections, um, it is really important just to bring those things to light because there's probably a lot of things, if you're already, you're noticing those things, there's probably other things you're not noticing. You could always get a home inspection up front, but I would also, you know, hate that you would start investing in money into a home that you might not even go under contract on because maybe you and the seller do not come to an agreement on pricing. So I don't feel like that's the best route. Uh, but having, again, a real estate professional like A. Cole Realty, our team is top notch. We see homes every day. We see inspection, uh, inspection reports every day. And we know what to be on the lookout for is really going to be useful and helpful before you decide to make an offer on a home. That's a great point, Angie. And I mean, because some things can look like a red flag, but they're really not a big deal. Like the windows not opening could mean yeah. somebody did some painting and they kind of yeah, painted it, the window shut. Yep, like. yep. And I, I honestly, I see that all the time. You just need to take a razor blade to it, cut the window free. You know, it's just honestly, it was a painter being a little bit messier. And it can easily happen just even with paint dripping down. So that's not the end of the world. Sure. Uh, well, but it could also mean the foundation is shifting and there could be settling. Can't open a window at all. So there could know, be. I understand the worry. There could be. But I mean, there's, you know, even with brand new homes, they're never going to be perfect. There's always going to be issues, always going to be concerns, but just making sure that, you know, if they are larger concerns, bring that to the attention of the seller, make that part of your offer from the get-go, because once again, they are not required to fix it, you know, and, and agree to anything once you're under contract. You know, if they don't fix it for you, they're going to run into the same hiccup probably with the next buyer. So, yeah. um, very seldom do we run into a hiccup where a deal falls apart because of inspections and we can't come to an agreement. Yeah. Usually there's a way to meet halfway or at least partway in one direction or the other to help things come together and complete the sale. Nobody really wants to back out at that point. So um, it's just good to keep that in mind too, Barb. But great question. Um, really, I think that is a good thing to be thinking about. And Barb, something that might be helpful for you as well is you can actually, you know, the home inspection part of the process is an important one. And I would recommend getting a little bit more educated about that maybe before you continue with your home search or as you continue with your home search, because you do want to make the right choices and know what to be on the lookout for. And uh, Angie has actually put together a home inspection guide. And if you want to check it out, you can text the word inspect to the number 555-888 and we'll text you back a link to download the inspection guide and it'll talk about some of the things that you should be on the lookout for some of the things that you should be thinking about when it comes to getting your home inspected or if you're a buyer uh, inspecting that home and even though this usually happens after you make an offer on a home when you get that home inspection at least will give you maybe a little checklist and a few more things to be aware of as you're looking at some of these homes what are the big deals what aren't so if you want to get that guide right now on your smartphone you can text the word inspect to the number 555-888. All right, Angie, one more question for you here comes to us from Peter in Clayton. And Peter says, how much should we budget to set aside for due diligence money and earnest money in today's market? Yeah, um, th there's not a, a one way fits all. But what we've kind of seen as far as being the norm is typically about 1% of the total purchase price. So between due diligence and earnest money, typically 1% of the purchase price has been the norm in our market. Every market's a little bit different. Um, if you're in a multiple offer situation, maybe you need to get a little bit more uh, firm with those numbers and maybe offer a little bit more. But what we're typically seeing is a total of about 1%. Um, but remember, Peter, that although you are handing those monies over, they will be cashed immediately, okay? As long as you make it to the closing table, those are credited back to you at closing. So they will go towards your down payment, towards your closing costs, um, whatever it might be. But, you know, you do need to put a little bit of skin in the game when it comes to going under contract because the seller is taking that home off the market for you while you are doing your due diligence, getting your financing, and making it to the closing table. And I think the other thing too, Angie, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you are in a really competitive situation or are going to be in a competitive situation, you may want to set aside even more for the due diligence and earnest money as it may help you win that bid or win the offer on a home. Most definitely, most definitely. You're 100% correct. And, you know, even if it's still like about a 1%, put in more of that 1% towards the due diligence money versus the earnest money. Um, I've oftentimes seen people put, all of the money just towards due diligence and no earnest money, but still 
equaling to be about 1% of the purchase price. Uh, the reason why that is more attractive to sellers is due diligence money's at risk immediately. So you are showing that you are serious. You are going to make it to the closing table where earnest money is at risk after due diligence expires. So now maybe we have, you know, 12 to 21 days or so for you to decide if you truly are going to move forward and make it to the closing table. So giving more money up front as due diligence, which is due at the time of contract, you know, immediately, uh, that is going to show how serious of a buyer that you truly are. But back to Barb's question, if you do have some big concerns, perhaps about repairs that the house might need, then be careful about committing too much due diligence money. That, that sort That's, of seems like the, there's the that fine, fine line, line. The, the advice you guys have to it's, give, right? I know. There is that fine line, and it's difficult because you want to be cautious on giving too much due diligence. And then what if there's major repairs that come up and the seller's not willing to work with you? Yeah, the um, seller might so be like, yeah, you're locked in. You paid way up front. <laughs> I know. It, it, it's, and there's not a there's not a kind of even middle ground either. You know, it's tough when it comes to that, you know, as far as how much you truly love the home versus are we nervous about inspections coming back? So if there are some concerns like Barb mentioned, and you are really worried about what this inspection report might look like, be be a little bit careful about giving too much due diligence up front. Um, another way I've seen it worked is give due diligence at the beginning and say, hey, we will order inspections by this date. Once we get a report back, then we'll give more due diligence immediately right after that. Um, same thing goes for a concerned appraisal. Uh, so you can give due diligence, you know, at different times of the contract, you know, before you get to when the additional like earnest or earnest money would be due or, you know, at risk. So expand on that just 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 for a moment. So you could do like a, a medium, uh, somewhere in between a due diligence and an earnest yeah. money. Do like a delayed due diligence of additional amount after an inspection. Sure can. Oh. Um, I've had I've had, for example, where uh, you know in this market there's coming soon listings. Right? It is uh, legally and, and per the actual real estate commission, North Carolina Real Estate Commission, um, against the the you know rules, the laws, ethics to allow someone in the home. Why it's a coming soon. Um, but I have had instances where someone will make a sight and scene offer with given very minimal due diligence. You know, I recently had one. I can't disclose exact amounts, but very, very minimal, minimal uh, due diligence money up front. They said we will be able to look at the home within 48 hours after we step in foot in the home. Then this amount of due diligence, which was a much more significant amount, is due at five o'clock on that day and now at risk. So, you know, the terms were spectacular. Uh, they worked in the favor of our seller. And so they were more than happy to accept that side and seed offer. But, you know, we weren't held to, I guess, being in contract with them, they could decide they want to quickly back out if the home didn't you know, work for them once they step foot into it because they didn't put much money on the line. So yeah, there are ways to kind of trickle that due diligence money huh. per se to you know make it work to your advantage. You learn something every day. After hosting this show with you for years, I thought I'd learned it all, Angie. But nope. always, always new things. I'm still learning. You know, it's. <laughs> I tell you what, in real estate, I've been doing this for you know 13 years now, and there's new situations. There's, I mean, there's you know, there's there's different personalities, different people we work with, different homes, different locations, and there's something new every day. The dynamic always changes. Keeps that's it for fun. Sure. Uh, very neat. Great question, Peter. That one sparked some good conversation and helped us learn something new on today's show. So that is very cool. Uh, but it, since you are asking about due diligence money and earnest money and those kinds of things, might be a great idea for you or anybody else who's beginning that process of buying a home to pick up Angie Cole's Home Buying Guide. This is a guide that Angie has put together specifically for home buyers in the area. You can access it right now from your smartphone by texting the word contract to the number 555-888. Again, just text the word contract to the number 555-888. We'll text you back a link to download the guide. Just walks you through some of the important terms, some of the steps, kind of the chronological process of what it looks like to buy a home in North Carolina, in our, in our area. So it's just a nice, helpful guide to have on hand that kind of teaches you about things like due diligence and earnest money. That's covered in the guide as well as the rest of the buying process. So if you want to get that at your fingertips, all you have to do is text the word contract to the number 555-888. One more time, just text the word contract to the number 555-888. With number two out of the way, we have arrived at the top result of the year. This one was downloaded way above and beyond all other episodes. A lot of people were curious about this topic this year. 
Let's get to it, our top podcast of 2020. Before we move further on into the program, every once in a while we like to have this little segment called Did You See This? where we talk about something kind of bizarre or interesting in the real estate world. And Angie, did you know that you can buy a house on Amazon now? I did. I feel like you can buy anything and everything on Amazon these days. This certainly checks another box on the list, right? I mean, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, the the link that I, I came across here, we'll talk about that one in particular, but it did say under recommended viewing there, there are multiple, you know, different kinds of homes for sale, it looks like. But in particular, this one that I came across, this is a, uh, what are they called, mini homes or what's the small houses? Tiny homes. Like tiny, tiny house, but I, I feel like, and we were actually watching that uh, show yesterday. Yesterday evening, but I feel like this is even a, a step down from a tiny house, right? You know, because you're you're missing a lot of the features that a tiny home even has. Because a tiny home really is like more like an RV. They're usually transportable, right? They're a little bit more like the traditional tiny home concept. Is you can pick it up, yeah. move it around. It's uh, it's it's kind of like an RV, but even more luxurious than a traditional like our RV. Is that sort of the Sh- tiny home? Sure, gist? yeah. And not not all tiny homes are you know transportable um, and on the go, but most I would say they are. They made them that way. Um, but you know they typically have a bathroom, a kitchen, electricity. You know, kind of all of the essentials of living in a home um, but this uh, this house on Amazon's a tad bit different yeah so a couple of details it's uh, 172 square feet but here's the thing and the reviews are pretty bad there are three customer <laughs> reviews now this is three? pitched total of three 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 and they're all one star yeah. reviews which is not good um, no. This is uh, kind of pitched as a very easy to assemble, like in just a couple of hours, you've got a quote unquote house built. But here's the funny thing as people were reviewing this, they're like, well, a couple of problems. Uh, there's no kitchen, there's no bathroom, <laughs> there's no insulation, and there's no wiring. Hmm. Right. <laughs> but it's kind of, you do like, get the free what are you shipping. You in this home. <laughs> you do get the, sta- the, the free shipping from Amazon. So there, I guess that's there a benefit. You go. I read. I read. It takes uh, and even puts in uh, quotations. Simple tools. It two, takes only two people to construct this, and you know, just using simple tools in just eight hours, thanks to the step-by-step directions. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, I. What do you do with this thing? I don't know. It's pretty yeah. uh, pretty interesting to look at, though. It's sure. really to me seems just more like a souped-up garden shed. Yeah, um, I mean, it's kind of cute, but I mean, once again. It, I don't know. It seems like if it was a warm day, it'd get really steamy and hot in there. It in does. The closed area. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's maybe <laughs> you could find some other purposes for that building. But you seem almost like you'd be benefited by just having a simple, you know, outdoor shed or something like that. But I agree. I agree. Pretty interesting to see though <laughs> that the tiny homes have made it to Amazon, and maybe there are better ones. If we were to look around a little bit, maybe there are better kits out there that you can buy to build these things, but. There's one that's like a two-story kit that you can buy. Uh, that one gets three stars. So this, or it mean, gets three oh. three reviews that are all five stars. Wow! So maybe that one's a little bit better. That one's thirteen hundred square feet. As I'm clicking around here, so it looks like a legitimate two-story house. I just don't know about buying a kit and building a home from a kit. It just doesn't seem right, does it? Right. Yeah. No. It, this. <laughs> there's some things you don't buy from Amazon, and this might be one of those. A house might be one of those. That's yes. a good point. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny to look at. Uh, by the way, it was seven thousand dollars for that first one we were talking about. So I think you could buy some really nice, just good old sheds for that amount of money. For sure. Uh, well, let's talk about flipping homes on today's show with Angie. You know, th- you talked about the tiny home show that you were just watching. Uh, homes uh, shows like Flip and Flop are still really popular these days. And you know, you might be hearing or seeing a lot more commercials about house flipping seminars in the area, or even the um, you know, you'll see the road signs all the time. Um, we're not going to get into the flippers' perspective on this show, but we really want to talk about what it would look like as a buyer if you are buying a home that has been flipped. And we just want to spend a couple of time, a couple of minutes talking about that. So what's kind of the first thing that we might want to be thinking about, Angie, if you're kind of giving somebody tips, if you've got a buyer who's considering a home and it looks like one that has had a quick turnaround and has been flipped, that's all great and good that now it looks really fancy and pretty, but we want to still make sure it has good bones, right? Uh, most definitely. You know, I, I would make sure to me kind of number one would be, you know, make sure that the house flipper, the person that did the work is a licensed contractor. 
you know, we want to make sure that we're not just putting kind of lipstick on a pig. You know, you probably heard that saying before. Um, you know, it, it's important to make sure that it was indeed quality work that was done to the home. Um, and it's not a not a makeshift because what will happen is you'll move in and over time things will start to fall apart. You'll start to see issues and problems. And th- that's the last thing that you want to deal with when it comes to buying a home that you should be enjoying and loving. And uh, so make sure that, you know, the person that did the work is indeed a licensed contractor. To verify some of that stuff, is it reasonable to ask for and expect them to have receipts and and warranty information on the products and upgrades they did? Most definitely. I mean, any person that has been doing this for a while would know to keep all of that, those, you know, items together. I mean, even a lot of just standard sellers, you know, they had that drawer full of all of their, you know, warranty information, all their brochures or pamphlets. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, definitely request that, you know, work, the work that was done, there's receipts for it. You know, they share all the warranty information on all the products and upgrades, um, just because that's stuff that you will need later on down the road potentially as well. And we really want to make sure that large work was permitted, right? Um, Oh, yeah, most definitely. So, you know, actually, anything that has been changed as far as electrical, plumbing, any type of structural changes, you must pull a permit for all those options or changes. I mean, even if there's been a change in HVAC system, there should be a permit that has been pulled. So definitely go to the county website. You can also call into the permitting department, and they're super, super helpful. Um, But yes, make sure that any type of improvements where those items have been moved, those mechanicals, there were permits that were pulled and actually closed out. I have seen in the past where there's been major renovations done to a home. Although the initial permit was pulled, the permit's still open. It was never then what's called closed. So that means that the county inspector did not come back by for an inspection to double check that the work was done properly. Uh, So make sure permits have been pulled and they've also been closed out. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So make sure that you're kind of dotting those I's and crossing those T's when it comes to all this work. Because if you don't, maybe it's when you go to sell the home that now these things surface and become a problem for you years down the line. And you don't want yeah, that to Yeah, and be you have case. to remember, too, if permits were not pulled, um, whenever it comes time for you to sell your home, for areas where permits were not pulled, you cannot include that in the heated square footage. Um, us as licensed real estate agents can actually get in trouble if we disclose the square footage improperly in the multiple listing database. Um, and so areas that did not have the permits pulled, we cannot include that into the heated square footage. And that really changes the overall Mm. value of your home. So make sure that you are protecting yourself when it comes to purchasing a flipper. It's a really great point. And uh, and again, make sure you've got inspections that have, uh, you know, gone into that whole process as well to make sure the work was done not only legally, but correctly as well. You've been listening to the Savvy Realtor podcast. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Angie Cole. She's the owner and broker in charge of A. Cole Realty here in the Triangle. And if you have questions for Angie, we invite you to go online to acolerealty.com. Listen to past podcast episodes on the website, read the blog and all the great information, including the option to find a home right there on the website. That's acolerealty.com. And you can also call Angie with your questions, 919-578-3128. Did you know that Angie Cole also has a radio show? Tune into the Savvy Realtor, Saturdays at noon on 106.1 FM WTKK.